0: Well hi there homies. I can't believe we've only been going for eight weeks and this is episode twenty-six. Wow. We've already had thousands of downloads, which has completely blown me away. And I just want to take a moment to thank each and every one of you for listening and sharing this podcast with your friends. So today we are speaking with Dr. Joe Rosen Sweig. I hope I got that right, Joe. <laughs> He's a homeopathic practitioner born in Brussels, living in several different countries before deciding to settle in New Zealand. So in this podcast, he shares how he went from being a surgeon to discovering natural medicine. And believe me, he has studied pretty much every single natural health modality there is. He has also published 11 books and lectured internationally, and I was lucky enough to receive some mentoring from Dr. Joe when I was newly graduated, and it was so wonderful to draw on his experience when I was still completely overwhelmed with my new career as a homeopath, so he has a very special place in my heart for that. He also has a great sense of humor, so I'm sure you're going to be laughing along with me in this very entertaining episode. Let's jump right in. Welcome to the Homeopathy Hangout podcast, where we discuss all things homeopathy from around the world. And now, your host, Eugenie Kruger. Hello, everyone, and a very warm welcome to Homeopathy Hangouts. Today, we are hanging out with homeopath, black belt, surgeon, author, the list is so long, Dr. Joe Rosen like <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, Dr. Joe. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Now, I had the humongous privilege of having you mentor me on a few cases when I just finished my studies many years ago, and it was just such a brilliant experience because you are such a funny guy. You have a great sense of humor and the most unbelievably wide and deep depth of knowledge on all things, not just homeopathy. So it's a huge privilege to have you here today.
1: My ego is swelling right now. <laughs> I need some apis.
0: <laughs> well, and, and you also win brownie points because me and your wife share a first name.
1: <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> now, tell us a bit, Joe, about how you first discovered homeopathy. Oh,
1: actually, it's a photo of my son that was a surgeon. Okay. And, uh, I was a little bit disappointed by what, who, what I was doing because uh, I kept operating people. They come back with the same pathology, do the surgery on people who have been messed up by the GPs and the internal medicine. And then they keep coming back. And I said, well, what am I doing here? I'm a plumber. I'm a carpenter. That's fun. I love it. I really loved surgery. Uh but I'm not curing people. This is not what I expected to do in medicine. So I saw my anesthesiologist using acupuncture on my patients so that they didn't need heavy drugs and morphine and so on after the surgery. I said, well, that's interesting. I'm going to learn that. So I went to the school of acupuncture in Brussels. Uh, registered. I almost didn't start the course because they were starting to say, well, for example, you know in Chinese medicine, the liver uh, can have a fire that will create conjunctivitis. And I said, what? A fire in the liver? You have a a, a little fire there and everybody's sitting around and singing Kumbaya? You guys are nuts. But, you know, it was a prepaid course and uh, the meal was Chinese and I love Chinese food, so I stayed. And that was good because I finally understood uh, acupuncture. At the same time, my son was born, and that time I was still a firm believer in vaccines. That has changed quite a lot. So he had his first shots, and of course, after that, he had side effects. Uh, he had uh, recurrent otitis, so otitis, antibiotics, diarrhea, nappy rash, da, da, da. Once again, otitis, etc. After the third time, I asked his uh, pediatrician, who was the head of the uh, neonatal intensive care unit in Brussels, uh, what can we do? He said, oh, no, he's going to old live it, and, uh, you know, then that's fine. It's going to be fine. And, and that time, after the experience with acupuncture, I was a little bit smarter, and I went to see a homeopath I was working with. And after a few powders, everything was okay. So I said, well, this is a slap in my face. Come on. So I went to study it. And being the crazy guy that I am, I, I studied in three or four different uh, schools at the same time. At the same time, we moved from Belgium to South Africa, from South Africa to Israel and so on. Yeah, 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 the yeah, yeah. Long thing. And this for that thing we do in first year, second year. And, uh, and that's it. That's about how it went. So, And progressively, people kept coming. And for example, they kept bringing me uh, bottles of tinctures or plants from the garden. What is this? What can I do? And I said, well, I'm not a herbalist. And uh, you know, after a dozen cases like that, I said, well, okay, that's really annoying. I'm going to study herbalism. <laughs> so I went to study herbalism uh, at the college in, in London, distance. and But I went twice. I flew twice uh, to London for that. And from there into nutrition and then to this and to that, when I was still in Belgium, I discovered gemotherapy, which, you know, is a big thing for me. Three books, 1,025 pages, that's the world <laughs> reference in gemotherapy, you now so. And then you know, oligotherapy, lithotherapy, uh, many forms of acupuncture, eh? what whatever, Reiki, energy medicine. Then one day, I had a few weeks where none of my treatment was working. And I was asking myself, what am I missing here? What's the problem? What have I not done? Because that's the first question. And I realized that one of the things I didn't do was to uh, check their spine, their alignment. And I remember having worked with an osteopath in Belgium who showed me a few tricks. So I said, okay, well, let's call those patients back and check their spine. and Indeed, there's something wrong, but because I didn't know anything at that time, I was sending them to a colleague osteopath. I clang, 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 put them back, give them the same remedy. Suddenly, everything works. So, wow, that's absolutely interesting. The blockage exists and so on and so on. So, yeah, let's keep referring. And after a few referrals, I said, well, hey, that's just a minute. I'm losing a lot of money like that. I'm going to study osteopathy. I went to study osteopathy, the theory of it, because uh, there's no real school here. There's one in Auckland, but then I I would have to move to Auckland for two years at least. But I discovered orthobionomy and visceral manipulation and craniosacral therapy, uh, which are the things I practice actually. And I, I love it. It's fantastic. And all the energy medicine I've learned to give remedy to my hands when I do an adjustment or whatever. It's absolutely fantastic. And sometimes a distance healing across the globe. I have a patient in Switzerland that I treat regularly like that. Well, that's it. The fascinating part here is that the more I learn, the more I discover that I have to learn. It makes life interesting uh, during your lockdown.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. it's With everything that you've done, it just doesn't seem like you could do all that in one lifetime. I don't know how you've managed to achieve all you have. And uh, this is a podcast that so people don't have the privilege of seeing the wall of... Diplomas and degrees mm-hmm. and everything behind you. I can just see like well over a dozen yeah, there. And you can like, see
1: one wall, but well, yeah, but, uh, walls, plus uh, a waiting uh, room. Uh, there's about uh, 52 diplomas there.
0: And you've actually missed all the black belts you've got as well. You've got several black just
1: belts two, and just two. <laughs> just two, just two, you know. A second, it's not um, enough,
0: Joe. You, it's not enough. You're you No,
1: but the unfortunately, ball. there's no good dojos here. So uh, <laughs> I owned and I was teaching in two dojos, one in Israel. And one in South Africa. I tried to save one here when we arrived in New Plymouth. But then uh, the Kiwis, as you know, are not very interested in non-competitive things. I'd say to learn how to break a nose or learn how to go to the Olympics. And in Aikido, we don't do that. (laughs) Uh, So uh, what I do know is on my own Tai Chi, Qigong, a bit of yoga, weightlifting, all all that stuff that you can do in your garden.
0: Amazing, and the fact that your wife uh, practices natural medicine, I guess, would help as well. So, if you're saying, "Hey, honey, I want to go spend the, these thousands on this course or that course," I'm sure she's probably letting you go on to do that. Compl- she's not complaining.
1: She's nothing <laughs> to say.
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> how how do you how do you manage to do all of this? It's just it's
1: well, basically, well, seriously, no, it's very simple because once you finish medical school, you know lots of things. So you don't have to go through to the anatomy, the physiology, the differential diagnosis, the stage here, that they there, uh, you know, the, the, the apprenticeship and learn how to take a blood pressure and so on and so on. So you go only to the clinical things and to the materia medica and, and to learn those things. And I'm following my quasi-guru, Albert Einstein. He said when he was asked, how do you remember all those formulas? I said, I don't remember any. Why should I bother remembering when they are in the book? so it's the same thing you ask me oh can you tell me the materia medica uh, pulsatilla I will say well two sentences but i don't know at all when my pulsatilla comes on you know, on repertorization i reopen my materia mm-hmm. medica check that that yeah that's correct that's the remedy oh no that doesn't fit i have to find something else mm. uh, so i don't try to encumber you you build on something as long as you have a wide basis and that's why i try telling to students that asked me how to do it. I said, well, if you have time, go to a big thing, go to a reputed school of naturopathy, for example, like the Baylor College in the US or mm. Canadian College of Natural Medicine, or go into medicine, but that's too much for you guys. Become a registered nurse and a nurse practitioner. You can do that. Mm. And then you have such a good basis that you can understand all the rest. You can do a conventional diagnosis. But then you have to learn also the other form of diagnosis. I use a lot of Chinese medicine diagnosis, and I'm planning to start the embryo of the beginning of understanding Ayurvedic medicine, mm. um, because that is something I I use the remedies, but in the Western way. Mm-hmm, so uh, that, that that is the plan.
0: <laughs> now, on top of all this, every ridiculously huge amount of professional development Mm -hmm. and
1: over the years you've also written several books yes 11 11 (laughs) i just published the 11th i'm rewriting one but that will be the number 12 Mm -hmm. number 13 and 14 are in my head and they're boiling already
0: Amazing. Now, I know these books are all written specifically for practitioners and this podcast yes. class is obviously for the general public, but can you still give the public just a rundown of the books that you've written and maybe an idea of how us homeopaths can use your books to help our
1: clients? How the homeopaths can use them is simply by reading them. Mm-hmm. It, it's, no, it's, it's not a joke. It, it, it's simple. It's made by a professional for the professionals. Mm-hmm. And as I tell everybody, if you don't understand something, I'm just an email away. I said, it's very simple. So, the the major book, my legacy uh, to medicine is the Fibonacci series. Okay. That's one book that uh, encompasses about 15 years of practice, more than 2000 cases of my own. And I wrote the first thing about 10 years ago, and another one, an update, upgrade, six years ago. And since then, I have nothing to change to it. Mm -hmm. So this is established, it works that way. So that's the basics, okay? The other one that is important, I think, is uh turn-millennium homeopathy, the early decades. And that's where I uh, show my concept about uh, constitution, core, miasm, and explanation on, on all those things and the changing the names. I, I'm, I'm discarding the word and the concept of miasm I replaced that by something else that it's based on genetics because we have to be with the modern science. So when you talk about miasm, it's a conventional partition laughs in your face. And there's a good reason for that. But uh, when I start telling them, okay, well, it's based on genetics and epigenetics and things like that, and they start listening or running away because they don't understand. So this is, this is a big book. And then the, the next one is... One of my babies—it's about uh, gemotherapy. Mm-hmm. Gemotherapy is something is a form of herbal medicine that I started using when I was still in Belgium. It was not very well developed; it's uh, small booklets by uh, Paul Henri Teto Bergeret and all those people. But it's an absolutely gem. So I've changed it. I, I transformed it into dynamic gemotherapy, because in it I'm including the materia medica and the experience of all the other things that are not herbal. So, uh, for example, in Crategus, I used homeopathy Cartigus, but also the knowledge of Herbal Cartigus, uh, the one by the Campo, the Japanese materia medica, the Chinese materia medica, etc., etc., etc. So uh, that one is you now three volumes. It's called Dynamic Gemotherapy Beyond Gemotherapy. Volume one, yeah. this is the materia medica and some theory. Volume two. Mm-hmm. That's more theory and the repertory. and mm-hmm. know the, the latest that I've published, Volume 3, this is an A4 volume, which is a textbook of clinical dynamic gemotherapy in which I take every system separately, cardiovascular, respiratory, digestive, mm-hmm. and so on and so on. And pathologies that have been treated or, or could be treated through gemotherapy and show them how to do that? So it's extremely practical, and that's it. So uh, there's a few. There's a few more. There's elementary nutrition for homeopaths. Elementary nutrition for uh, health practitioner. That's the same book. The same nutritional content, if you want. <laughs> but I've removed all the homeopathic talk because of some colleagues that do not know do not accept the existence, the reality of homeopathy. Mm -hmm. Well, therefore, they can do that. Uh, Mm -hmm. I have one book about, oh yeah, homeopathy through the Chinese looking glass, where I teach how to use pulse and uh, tongue Mm -hmm. in order to reach a diagnostic and uh, a kind of a remedy, a classification of remedy. This is one that I have to rewrite completely. What else do I have to do? Oh, of course. (laughs) I keep forgetting that one many years ago, I wrote this one Organotherapy, mm-hmm. Drainage and detoxification. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a course on that mm-hmm. uh, an online course, there's an online course on dynamic Gemotherapy too, mm-hmm. and I'm rewriting organotherapy, drainage, and detoxification, and that's going to be huge. Mm-hmm. That's going to be huge because I'm including absolutely everything into it, and it it's absolutely fascinating. Mm-hmm. And another one is uh, how do I, I call that?
0: Yeah, you know you've written many books when you have trouble recalling the
1: names. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I just don't remember. It's called dynamic somatostructural integ- integration. Okay, it's the ikebana of manual medicine. It's manual medicine simplified with explanations. Mm-hmm. And that has irritated many osteopaths and many of my teachers in autobiography and uh, visceral manipulation would say, well, you know, Joe, we don't need that. The signs, no, we go with a sensational feeling. I say, well, that's fine. I do the same. Yes, but I like to understand what I do. Absolutely. Uh, I probably forget a few. <laughs> that's okay.
0: Now, something that I find just truly inspiring is how you have created your own homeopathic potency series now we Mm -hmm. have a book club with some of the mums in my some of my clients in my group and we were going through amy lansky's book impossible cure because it's just such an easy read for somebody Mm. who's completely new to homeopathy it tells them about all the principles and the different methods of prescribing and what homeopathy is and history of homeopathy and all that so we just did chapter two last night Mm -hmm. and we started talking it started talking about potencies And I said to the ladies, Mm -hmm. well, you're in for a treat because in the morning I am interviewing Dr. Joe who developed his own potency because one of the questions that came up from the mums was why does it jump from six to a 12 to a 30 then to a 200 and a 1M and who made this up? And I was like... It's just completely Perfect. random, but Dr. Joe will answer all your questions. Perfect. So go for it, Joe. The floor is yours. How many
1: hours do we have? Um, yeah, because I, I'm, doing, I'm doing webinars on that. It's, fi- it's a five hour course. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. Maybe condense it down to like 10 oh, minutes if you can. 10 minutes, but read my book. <laughs> well, for, for no. the public, for the mums in my group who are
1: doing no, it. It's book very club. simple. Uh, to answer that question, who invented that? It's Kent. The, the, this is supposed to be the harmonics, but there's absolutely no harmony in that. Because you go to, uh, in, in the full series, it's 6, 12, 24, 30. That's okay. It's a duodecimal thing. And then you jump to 200. Why? And uh, one vet homeopath has described that the jump is impossible as a full article that is uh, in the book two also. And then from 200, you jump to 1M. Why? That doesn't make sense. And this is one of the things that have irritated me since the first day we talked about potency in class. And I was asking questions, of course. And the final answer was always, well, I use that because it works for me. Mm. And I don't know if you are on all those multiple email lists and Facebook things and all that stuff. There is always a question. Every single week there's a question by a practitioner, very often a seasoned one. I started this patient, gave the remedy that is totally indicated in this potency and nothing happens. And what do I do now? And everybody has the same answer. Go higher, go lower, use illusion glasses, use an I comment and I say, well, use the FIPO ninety series. <laughs> okay, but why? Why? The question is, how do you determine which potency to choose? And that was the theme of my first paper on that: How do we remove the guesswork mm-hmm. from choosing the potency? Because it is a guesswork. Mm-hmm. You cannot tell me when you see a patient why you're going to choose a thirty or two hundred or a six, and there's that old legend of the lower potencies for the material things for the physical ailments and the higher potency for the emotionals. And this is excuse the word, no, don't excuse the word, it's total bullshit. <laughs> because in my experience with the Fibonacci series, I have had so many mental, emotional and psychological cases that reacted to a tree, see, quite a few ex- uh, examples in the book. So I'm a very lazy bum. Honestly, I'm lazy. So instead of trying to devise things and techniques and methods and algorithms uh, that will not work because they become patient-dependent and practitioner-dependent and go back to to that, I say, well, if we don't know what potency we need, well, why don't we give them all one after the other? And that's not new. That's what Hahnemann did with the LMs. You start with LM one, you reach uh, LM thirty. Mm-hmm. Who did that? The problem the LM is a linear; it's very linear. It's not a natural progression because there's no straight lines in nature.
0: I'm just thinking, uh, can you? Because this is for the general public, they might not know what Fibonacci is. Can you maybe just explain what Fibonacci is?
1: Fibonacci is is a, is a mathematical series. You know that spiral, mm-hmm. okay that you sh- uh, that you see in the In the broccoli, in in everywhere, in the snails, and and so in the 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 shells. Mm -hmm. And it goes from zero to one. One plus zero is one. One plus one is two. Two plus one is three. Three plus two is five. Mm -hmm. Five plus three is eight, et cetera, et cetera. So that spiral is an exponential potency that grows, but builds on the previous one. Mm-hmm. You cannot go directly to uh, 144 because it's uh, a potency in the air like that. It has no basis. Okay? So that's, the, uh, that's a natural progression, uh, which you find everywhere in nature, mm-hmm. in plants, in everywhere. There's plenty of illustrations in the book. I want you to mind.
0: Do, do you recall how you came upon that? Like, Was it like an moments? moment?
1: By, mm-hmm. Absolutely by chance. And actually, I, I was torturing my mind. And I came across the movie The Da Vinci Code. Ah, oh, yes. Yeah. The Da Vinci Code. Yeah. And at the beginning, he has to open a secret uh, cylinder that contains a message, but he has to find the numbers. And he thinks, and he thinks, and who is this guy? And say, oh, I'll try the Fibonacci series. Clank, 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 it opens. I say, huh, what the hell is Fibonacci series? So, mm-hmm, oh, but that's interesting. And here was the correlation. Fibonacci series is a mathematical progression that is everywhere in nature. Homeopathy is a natural therapy. Let's put both together. And it answers my question. How do I go through each and every potency in a progressive way? By starting low, at 3C, not a zero, and continuing up to 233. Stop at 233 for practical reason. And because the mathematics of that say that because it is exponential, uh, when you get to 233, you have gone through all the potencies from 3C through 18 billion trillion C. Okay, try to do that by hand. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, it's impossible. There's not enough water in the universe to do that. And that has proved excellent.
0: It makes so much sense, and you know, I always feel that it doesn't matter what the question is, the answer is always in nature. And even if we mm-hmm. look at uh, structural designs of buildings, or design of helicopters, or anything, the answer is always in nature. It doesn't matter what it is, really. You will find it if you go outside and.
1: and if it. you look, you adapt that to your to your profession. Mm-hmm. That's, that's exactly what that's exactly what I did. Uh, so that that was. Simple, relatively, I had to convince Mike at Similimum to start doing it, because mm. uh, to run one remedy to all the 10 potencies by hand, it takes uh, 24 hour, uh, well, a full day of work for mission. Mm. So at the beginning, he was very reluctant. I said, please do it. And
0: the remedies cost about, you know, $6 or $10 each. So it's not like it's a particularly profitable business for him. Either. Well,
1: <laughs> at the beginning, he said it will cost you a, a dollar per potency. So that means that the patient that was to receive a 233 would pay $233. So at the beginning, the first few months or years, I limited myself up to 89. And then as Mike saw that, uh, wow, he starts going around and goes, I have orders for all over the world. Mm-hmm. So he dropped his prices and I increased my potency.
0: And, you know, at the end of the day, even if you were to pay $233, it's still a lot cheaper than what people pay in supplements. Like I just look at some of my clients that see a naturopath as well, yeah, but- and they will walk away with a $1,000 worth of supplements every single month.
1: So I well, think it's
0: a good investment.
1: <laughs> yeah, but remember one thing. It's a, it's a material, it's a psychological material investment you go out with something in your hand Mm. with a prescription you take a few powders or a few pills or something you don't know what will be the result Mm. you have no idea and that's kind of a little bit in the air so at the beginning I had to explain them what I was doing and uh, would they uh, be so nice uh, to participate to that experiment and so on and I cannot give them the remedies uh, for free, as I should, from an ethical point of view, but uh, I cannot afford that. So many of them agreed, and they had good results, and uh, that was it. That's that was amazing. it. Nowadays, similar stands all over the world, as you know.
0: Yes, yeah. uh, so I think so, uh, are they the only pharmacy in the world that does that?
1: No, quite a few others are starting. They are charging an arm and a leg. Helios is charging you so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, what I do when I need something that uh, we don't have in New Zealand, I order a 3C from Helios, which is pretty cheap. I give it to Mike and he runs the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And that's it. it.
0: Your whole This whole Fibonacci series is just so sophisticated. And I mm-hmm. hope your catch on very quickly because even the LM potencies, the 6 Organon wasn't released until I don't know how many decades after Samuel Hahnemann, the founder of mm-hmm. Homeopathy, died. And so by that time, most homeopaths were already very stuck in using the C potencies. And it took yeah. many years for them to start using the Allium potencies. So mm-hmm. I hope in your lifetime, Joe, that everyone's using Fibonacci series, but it might take a little while. But I do think that <laughs> yeah. one will. You know we are creatures of habits, so it is hard to come out of that way of prescribing that we were taught, But I think the more that we are taught the Fibonacci series and prescribing in that manner, I do think it's going to be revolutionary. I, I think it might take a little while for to get people out of their habits, but I love what you've done. I love that we you found the answer in nature, and I love that. It makes so much sense. It,
1: are then, you using the Fibonacci business? I am not.
0: Like once again, pure uh, laziness bah, 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 and pure just
1: <laughs> consider <laughs> like yourself spanked. Yeah, no stand in the corner.
0: I, I <laughs> have used it when you were mentoring me. I have used it. I did have good results, but then I just fell back into the ways that I was taught. So
1: um, it, it is true. I, but- I know. I know you are very successful, but locally and internationally, no. But please start using the Fibonacci. And you will see the difference. Mm -hmm. There's only one problem from what I see in the background there. You have all your bottles and all (laughs) the remedies in each one in three, four, or five different potencies. Uh, To try to stock 100 or 200 or 500 remedies in all 10 potencies, uh, you need to build an annex or another farm (laughs) on, on your property. So use simply what I do. You send a prescription to the pharmacy, the pharmacist mm. sends it directly to the patient. No intermediary, mm. no money exchanges. I have a problem selling things to people. Mm. Well, that comes from my medical background because that was totally yeah. forbidden, of course. Uh, but I cannot put supplements or drugs or whatever or remedies in front of the patient say, you have to buy all that mm-hmm. uh, because nobody's going to refuse, uh, but maybe they cannot afford it. Mm. So when I need uh, them to have supplements or whatever, I send them to the health shop. And if it's too expensive, because I tend to select a few supplements that I like, but they are not the cheapest one, the health shop calls me and says, look, it's too expensive for them. What can we do? So, OK, what do you suggest? What do you offer? Mm-hmm. And it's a question of ethics. But, you know. Absolutely. And that's the way. But please try to use it. and, and then publish your cases because that's the only way to propagate the thing
0: well you have definitely re-inspired me (laughs) oh good (laughs) so i'm wondering joe do you have a few cases that you could maybe share with us and maybe specifically around anxiety if you can because i know a lot of families are so affected by lockdown and in new zealand i think you're still in lockdown it's been about a month now it
1: depends. Auckland and Waikato are mm. level three. We are in level two and the delta is progressing. So mm-hmm. who knows what's going to happen? Yeah. But the anxiety, the problem is that there's a, a, a good reason. There's a physical thing for the for anxiety. And we always say, try to remove the cause. Mm. So uh, we're not going to remove the delta virus. Uh, we have to learn to live with it. So to remove your anxiety about your COVID, first of all, is to take the preventative measures. All right. Uh, Look, if you go on my website or on my Facebook page, there's an article that I've wrote there that is called the viral panic. Okay. It's free for the et cetera. There is lots and lots and lots of information on what to take to prevent that. Let me Give you a, a case related to a child with ADHD, okay? It was when I saw him, he was pretty young. That was years ago. He was about seven years, eight years old. Voices in the head and all that stuff and agitated and so on and so on. So take a full case. Uh, what do I prescribe? Sulfur. Yeah. Mm. Oh, biggest remedy, sulfur. What a coincidence. And he starts with a 3C. No. I give to my patients only one powder, one dose of each potency. So they're not going to overdose, etc., etc. And the next day after he receives the remedies from the pharmacy, I get an email from the mother saying, Joe, thank you. My kid just came in and said, well, don't you that his remedies are working. I just took the powder that you gave me and whoosh, the voices stopped in my head. Okay, so that's demonstration that a three C lowest potency we use works for emotional and psychological thing. Of course, we had to finish the series, and then we had other layers that we had to remove or the vaccines, etc., etc., etc. But that's a demonstration.
0: That is pretty amazing because that is not how we are taught. Conventionally, we'll say you know if there's mental emotional aspects to the case, he would start with a two hundred or maybe a one M or a ten M. So that's very interesting that you start it with a three C and it does boggle my mind with my four years of full-time training on homeopathy. So no. when you're saying this really challenges the way that I was taught, but yet you have the okay. you have the evidence in your clinic. So obviously it is working, which but-
1: the challenge, challenge is very simple because we have been taught mm. to decide based on our knowledge and on, on our understanding of the patient and all. Wrong premises, what potency to give to the patient. But it's the patient, it's his physiology, body, mind together that knows what potency, which potency or which potencies he needs. And we have no way to know it because what is your baseline? What is your point zero? How he was before, you don't know if who he was before was normal. How you feel? It depends on who you feel that day. If you had a bad night, you're going to feel down. So everybody is going to feel more uh, energetic than you. Oh, well, let's give them a high potency. But there's another school that says the opposite. If they are very energetic, we have to give them a low potency. Which school is correct? None of them. We cannot guess what potency to give. And the only use I have now for those conventional potencies, which I have quite a few in my drawers, is in case of acute or emergency. And in case of acute in emergency, any potency is going to work. Mm. Some in one dose, others with repeated dose. And I demonstrate that in one of the chapters of third millennium homeopathy, which is on sale at www.lulu.com.
0: <laughs> so it's Lulu, hey, L-U-L-U?
1: L-U-L-U.com. L-U-L-U. Yeah, okay. you can find them all there. Excellent. So you know, uh, we, we we are told by our by our teachers and my homeopaths, be an objective practitioner. Okay, no preconception, no preconceived ideas. All the patient will need that. He looks like an elephant, therefore we'll give him elephant. You know, all those new things that I okay, no comments on that. Uh but we have a preconception because we know that we are going to use a 6 or a 30 or a 200. No, that's a preconception. We have to abandon. So how do you do? Muscle testing? I learned that. I tried it. I always have overridden all my patients. The thing I had in my mind was always positive. And it was demonstrated to me that it is wrong because it was wrong. Mm-hmm. Pendulum, same thing. I can agitate a pendulum in front of you, you, you know, would we'll be in a helicopter. But it gives my answers. Okay. So be lazy. Three, five, eight, thirteen, blah, 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 <laughs> blah, blah. There's a system and you adapt that system using dilution glasses, the same way you were using that for the fifth organon, from the sixth organon, same way you do that with LMs, to what the patient needs. If you if you feel that the patient is very fragile. Well, I'll put them the powder in one glass and then we do five dilution glass and you take one drop from the fifth glass. Mm-hmm. It takes me about half an hour to explain it to them. At <laughs> <laughs> uh, the end of the day it's very safe.
0: I might just quickly interject there for a second because I know that um, our listeners are not going to know what you're talking about. But what Joe is saying is that we have ways of making the remedy just that little bit gentler. Now, we don't have side effects with our remedies, but we can have what's called aggravations um, where your vital force is bringing up the symptoms, basically bringing it to your forefront of your mind so that it can tell you, hey, just so you know, I'm busy working on this right now. Remember this issue that you had, I'm just bringing it up so we can cure it. But so if you do have an aggravation, you can dissolve the powder in some water and then take a couple of teaspoons of that water, put it in another glass of water and stir it. Take a few teaspoons, put it in another glass of water. And then you can take a teaspoon of that last glass as one dose. And that's one way that we use for very sensitive patients. I haven't had to use it often, just a couple of times where I've had clients who were so sensitive to the remedy and we just diluted it and it really helped to minimize their aggravations. Can I interject on yeah, that? Yeah, please one? go for it. I think you might have something to say. <laughs> I recommend
1: that you use a dilution glass not only to the sensitive patient, mm-hmm. but of course, when they have uh, physical pathologies. Yes. You don't want the slightest aggravation in somebody that uh, can do uh, an asthmatic uh, status asthmaticus or status epilepticus, mm. or people who have a pathologically high blood pressure or very, very bad angina pectoris. So you give them. Uh, whatever it is, and also when there are deep emotional things, Mm. which you can determine by the Chinese pulses and the examination of the tongue. Mm -hmm. When you do that, and you feel that there are very deep emotional things, go for the delusion glass, because you don't want everybody to break up at, at home and uh, have the old anger coming up and you have to hide the knives and the hammers. Uh, this is terrible. Okay. And, and, and that's it. But it works extremely fast. As long as you have the correct remedy, of course, if, the correct, if you don't have the correct remedy, you can try until tomorrow or until the coast goes on. Uh, it's not going to work. That the first thing, the most important, is to have the correct remedy or also to prepare your patient because very often correct remedy will create, for example, a symptoms of detoxification. But if your liver and your kidneys and your colon and your skin are not ready to eliminate all that, what you have is a sudden poisoning of your patient because everything is going back into bloodstream to be eliminated. And then it's not eliminated, so it has to go back again. And that's why people who go for a detox and go in the pharmacy or the health shop and go and take from the shelf detox for the liver and say, oh, it has made me so much worse, I'll never do that again. Well, that's obvious. The plants were good, the herbs were good, the combination was good. It did do its job 100%, but the patient was not ready to Eliminate. So you have to prepare your patient by changing their nutrition, by uh, treating your, their liver, their kidney, at least that. And then you have to detoxify them, remove the previous drugs, remove the heavy metals if there are any, and so on and so on and so on, which is completely described in uh, all my therapy, drainage
0: and detoxification. I do have that yeah. one. <laughs> and, and nutrition. So, Joe, okay. what do you think somebody can do to prepare themselves for an appointment with a homeopath? Like, you know, how can they get the most out of their consult? What do you think is important for the client to know before
1: they see the homeopath? Just sit down and don't be shy to tell everything. That, that's all. That's all. If you go to a homeopath for, say, uh, an ingrown toenail, which is possible, be ready to to be asked about your emotional past and who trod on your foot Mm -hmm. when you were five years old and you have never forgotten that person and you're still angry and so on and so on. Uh, What somebody has to know is that homeopathy, like all the rest of natural medicine and conventional medicine should be there, is completely holistic With a W, we keep saying that we don't treat the disease, but we treat the patient. That's not always true, by the way. But everything, every symptom, every disease, every pathology that we have, unless it comes from a poisoning or an accident or something, is a kind of a message of the inner body, body, body-mind, telling you, hey, I've got a problem. Please help me. The vocabulary of of the body and of the mind is limited. OK, Here you have emotion while well, you're going to have chest pains. Now, you have to make sure that your chest pain is not an acute myocardial infarction in progress or a cancer of the esophagus or this or this or that. That's why you have to have a diagnosis before you start peddling your, uh, your remedies, because the remedies will work, but they will be just symptomatic, not curative. You have to know what's going on. But then you have to address the emotional thing that causes your chest pain. Mm -hmm. And to give uh, Cactus Grandiflorus is very effective. But then a Panadol will be also effective if you don't go deep in the situation and it's not myrhygnesia, carcinose, and Mm -hmm. all those those good ones. Mm -hmm. So just uh, prepare yourself. Don't be surprised. Uh, (laughs) And be honest, what I ask my patient to tell me when through the pulses again. Uh, I say, well, you have deep-seated anger issues? Mm. And they look at me and say, how do you know that? Well, I don't know. You just told me. Do you want to talk about it? And they will say, no. I say, well, that's fine. You don't have to. I only know that you have anger issues. I might or might not address them through the remedies, mm. but we both know that the treatment will probably not be complete. Mm. That's all we have to tell them. And generally, you get to the same remedies. Uh, you know, again, not bearing national carcinose that's and whatever. So uh, yeah, and it comes out the next consultation. They they come and tell, well, this has happened and this has happened, and I didn't know that. Oh, And by the way, my hemorrhoids are cured. Mm-hmm. it tells you I had hemorrhoids. Well, that's obvious. The hemorrhoids are linked to the liver in Chinese medicine. The liver is the organ okay. of anger. Mm-hmm. Hello. <laughs> <laughs>
0: It's beautiful. And I love how you said that the symptoms are the vocabulary of the body and the mind. Because if we can look at our symptoms that our body and our mind gives us as our body and our mind speaking to us, saying that things are out of harmony, then I think we'll look completely differently at health. Because at the moment with the medical model, if there's a symptom, it's something that needs to be suppressed and get Mm -hmm. rid of. But in holistic medicine, we look at symptoms as a way of your body saying, hey, I'm not happy about something. You need to give me a hand here. So I like that you're saying that. I completely agree.
1: That was not always the way. When I was in medical school, we were supposed to go find all the causes and treat them too. Psychosomatic medicine just started at that time. Oh boy, am I old. But we, we were supposed to reach that and say, well, you know, we knew that heart attacks were linked to emotions and then that disappears and now it has been rediscovered. The broken heart syndrome is now accepted. Mm-hmm. which we all treat with Matt and uh, mm-hmm. But uh, at the same time, the heart itself physically has to be supported with cratigus, mm-hmm. with magnesium, with other herbs, uh, with proper nutrition and so on and so on. Okay. Because uh, one of my mantras is that homeopathy works best when the patient is alive. Mm-hmm. So you have to keep your patient alive by other means while the, the, the deep Problem is resolved, and then the physiology can t- take over. But we are in a situation where people wait and wait and wait, or are suppressed by conventional symptoms, by conventional medicine, which sometimes is absolutely necessary and very helpful. Those kind of uh, anxiolytic and antidepressants that prevent people to come from committing suicide uh, as a good call, good call. But otherwise, the rest, it has become a kind of a suppression thing here. And we have to work against that. And that's a problem. Absolutely. Because we we have to detox them from their drugs. Mm -hmm. Absolutely.
0: So, Joe, how do people get hold of you? Can you give us some of the places that uh, they can find you?
1: Well, uh, I have a website, which is uh, naturamedica.co.nz. So Naturamedica is the name of the clinic. Mm-hmm. It's Latin for natural medicine. Uh, I have an email. I think you have my email. Yes, okay. I can link it all in the show notes. Yeah, you can leak that. Mm-hmm. Uh, my books are in uh, self-published. Mm-hmm. That's why they cost a lot less. Mm-hmm. And it's on uh, lulu.com. Mm-hmm. And uh, well, that's about it. I've, I'm on in the multiple Facebook uh, discussion things mm-hmm. uh, where I put my uh, sarcastic and cynical <laughs> remarks all the time. Uh, and uh, that's it. And uh, for the colleagues, well, as I say, I, I'm uh, just an email away.
0: Mm-hmm. You are amazing with your emails. Like I have, yeah, definitely called on you a few times over the years. And um, I don't know, do you ever sleep?
1: Uh, yeah, all the time. I'm actually sleeping right now.
0: <laughs> now, um, I like to end the podcast on a little bit of fun by asking yep. our guests what their three uh, favorite remedies are for themselves and why. The three remedies that you could never live without.
1: Uh, there's no remedies I can live or cannot live without because every time I need a remedy, it will be different. Uh, wrong person to ask that question
0: I had a feeling that might be the case
1: <laughs> you can ask me what remedy would I take if I were stranded <laughs> on a de- desert island well, obviously okay. Annika <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that's about it and that's about it no <laughs> you, you know that so, I, was not I, expect, I
0: was not expecting a standard answer from you anyway no, so that's... <laughs> never
1: nothing is standard with me <laughs>
0: Uh, It was such a treat getting to chat with you today. Thank you so much for your time. And thank you for sharing your never ending knowledge with us. And um, I look forward to us speaking again soon.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you're very welcome.